Exodus 32 and verse 1 says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that God brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Very clearly in today's English, they said, Aaron, get up and make us an idol that we can worship because Moses has been gone too long. Turn over to a very familiar and a seemingly unconnected portion of text in Matthew, if you will. Matthew 6. First book, the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 6 and verse 9. very familiar after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you've ever heard the Lord's Prayer, would you just wave at me right now if you've heard this before? Brother Evan Titus, I look out and I, I see you today, one of our coaches for basketball. One of the things that's rarely pointed out about this text is that the singular here is in reference to God. But there is plurality in how we are to pray. We have often taken this and adopted this as my father. That is not how he taught them. He taught them our father. And that's what I want to preach here today for just a little while. We need an individual covenant with the Lord. That is true. But we need to be prayer warriors together as believers. We do. We need to pray our Father. The chart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Would you lift your hands all over this room with me one more time? And would you join with me and let our prayers be lifted across this room? I'm going to turn my microphone off. I want the prayers of the people to fill this house right now.
God bless you. You may be seated today. Our, our Father. At Calvary, I want us to be a body of believers that can celebrate with each other. I want us to be people that can celebrate one with another. I believe that to be the will of God. Brother Trano, right now, this weekend, someone who is so dear and connected to our church, Brother Bobby Carter, they've been having a tent revival in their city. We had a tent revival just a year, this last year, and I've been keeping track and talking to Braden Anderson, who is the evangelist, and Brother Carter, who is the pastor there. And in the last couple of days, they have seen 25 plus filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 14 have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Last night, someone with blinded eyes was opened in a tent in Kokomo, Indiana. Someone who was deaf received their hearing. Pastor Carson, why would you talk about that here? Because if they are having revival, we are having revival. Come on, if they are celebrating, we are celebrating. We must have this understanding and this mentality that we are together for the kingdom of God. It is not about whether or not you get the trophy. It is not whether or not I get the trophy, but do we win collectively? And the goal is not that one of us gets a crown or that a couple of us gets a crown, but the goal is that all of us get a crown that we're willing to cast at the feet of the one, the one, the one, the one who deserves all glory and honor and praise. How many know that the church wins together? Yes, and in order for the church to win together, the church is meant to stay unified. It is an incredible story. The Exodus, the people that are led by Moses and Aaron out of Egypt. And we know about the Red Sea, and I've preached it extensively. But I want to take you to a portion at the onset of today's message that we, we rarely talk about. It, doesn't, it just doesn't come up very much. And that is in the book of Exodus the 20th chapter. If you want to go there, you're welcome. If not, you can simply listen to me read it. It's not one we speak about very much. It's the 19th verse, Exodus 20 and verse 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Can you imagine being in a place where the Lord has brought you in such great deliverance and such incredible, absolute evacuation from this captivity, and yet now you're at a place, you are at a mountain place where because of some smoke and some thundering and some environmental changes, you find yourself saying to the leader, tell God not to talk to us. Moses, you're not scared. Let, let God talk to you and you talk to us for God. I will tell you right now, it is my responsibility as the pastor to try and be a spokesman from God to you, to give clear direction. But I must tell everyone in the room, I cannot do your praying for you. 
I will pray about you and I will carry you to the Lord as I told you two weeks ago. And I, I will pray just like Moses did for God to have mercy and to show grace. But one of the worst things that we can ever do was accomplished in Exodus 20 by the children of God, the children of Israel, where they thought that Moses could be their substitute for communication with God. Everybody in the room needs to know he is a good God and he is to be sought after and he is to be talked to, not just by the pastor and not just by the elder, but everyone that is in fact a follower of the Lord, you are able to have a personal conversation and relationship with Jesus Christ. Some said, well, Pastor Carson, that's awful basic. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you the number one thing we fight is an actual prayer life. The hardest thing that we deal with, we want someone to get up and give us a great new revelatory way to have revival in our life. Give us the next thing. Give us something fresh. And then the preacher gets up and says, I've got it. It's so cutting edge. You're not going to be able to handle it. It's incredible. We need to pray. And we get about six amens and 13 head nods and a bunch of people that say, I'm ready for lunch because I've heard this long enough. But I've come to remind us today that if we really tap into the power of prayer, if we will really tap into the power of prayer, we won't have to pray things that we do not believe will happen. We believe that when we pray, blind eyes can be open. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've seen him fix eyes and it's pretty awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen limbs fixed, but I've watched it and it's pretty awesome. It's not because of the person that was praying. It was who the prayer was directed to. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Somebody shout, our father. But they told Moses, they said, Mo, listen to us. We love you. You're a good leader. We've overlooked the stutter. <laughs> You've done good. Aaron, he's going to hang out. You go up the mountain. How many remember Moses is soon to come down off the mountain after being with God and his face will be radiant like the sun. He'll have to wear a veil because of his close relationship with God. And we look at Moses and we understand, Brother Coy, how close they were. It's a powerful thing. But what we need to understand is God was talking to everybody. And they asked him to stop. To which I'd like to know who was the spokesman that introduced that idea. You got to be careful who you let do your talking. Boy, if I felt like, I do feel like preaching. You've got to be careful who disqualifies your relationship with God. I refuse to let somebody that wants to be carnal to be the spokesman for... Don't let somebody speak up for you when they're trying to delineate or diminish your opportunity to talk with God. You can have a relationship where you and your family, how many believe your family can hear from God and the presence of God can move into your home? 
I don't want somebody, Brother Sleva, saying, hey, you know what we should do because it's getting kind of spooky. It's getting kind of scary. Let's do this. We'll know when God's talking because Mo will tell us. Who went along with that? Brother Henderson, how did a group of them collectively come together? And I'm going to tell you why it happens. The same reason it happened then is the same reason it happens now. Because people who know better are so afraid of confrontation that they won't speak up and say, not for my family, we want to hear from God. Not for... And they'll let a couple of people that are loud and carnal... Man, I'm in something right now. They will let a couple of people that are loud and confrontational and carnal keep them from having a dynamic move of the Spirit in their family. But I need some mothers and some fathers and some men and some women of God that'll say, we don't want to be carnal. We want to hear from God. We want to have a relationship with God. We want to hear Him when He speaks. We want to see Him when He moves. We want to feel Him. If you want him to visit your house, I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and tell him right now for yourselves, we want to hear from you. We want to experience you. Yeah, let's take a moment. Let's fill this whole house with prayers of his people. Come on, mama. Come on, believer. Somebody join together, lift your voice with your spouse right now. We want to hear from God. We want to hear from God collectively as a family. And I take it one step further as a body of believers. The children of Israel, the church, the original church being led out. They were the people of God. Everyone say the people of God. If we are the people of God, let us hear from God. But they allowed some people and it became the movement. The movement began to squash their ability. It's, it baffles my mind, Brother Myers, that that became the movement. That they would squash their ability. I don't want to see that lightning. I don't want to see smoke. I want to. I would love to just, how many would love if you'd get up and anywhere the cloud went, you're like, I know. Nowhere to go. It's obvious. Here's why I believe that miracles and signs and wonders are meant to follow us so that it's obvious and evident to every person out there. They're preaching God. They're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shows up. There are miracles. There are signs. And there are wonders. That's what will draw people. Listen, we don't worship signs, but signs should follow us. It's the word of God. Some people say, well, that's just sensationalism. No, it's not. We're not worshiping the healing. We're worshiping the healer. We're never going to be a church that does anything else but gets up on a Sunday and says if we will bind together, he can do it. If we will pray together, he can bring a healing. Come on, where are my people that have been healed at on this Sunday morning? It says he can still do it. He can still do it. Brother Campbell right here, right now, he is still able. And you know what? We believe. It's not just Moses that thinks that. It's not just Pastor Lopez. We. We believe it. 
Well, you know, some people don't want demonstrative preaching. Oh, okay. We believe it. Some people don't want that out loud prayer. We believe in it. It's one of the amazing things over time that people would think, let's distance from God and it will be better. I'm going to tell you right now, the root of that is not from God. As we spoke of with Adam and Eve, that separation, that pulling away, that, that was not from God. That was the authoring of confusion. And so we know that, in fact, Moses does spend time in the mount. For 10 bonus points, which mount was he in? <laughs> Several of you are like, I don't need the points. I don't want the points. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Even though 90% of the room, can I use this as an illustration? Even though 90% of the room knew the answer, hardly anyone would say anything out loud. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. Suppress us. Not to say what we know when we know it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Moses had a right to be mad when he's coming down out of the mountain. He's had an experience with God. What was he given up there? Can we put that picture up there, Moses and the Ten Commandments? He's got those Ten Commandments when he's up there and he's going to be coming down out of the mountain. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing moment. You got the one with the people? If you do, that's the one I want. That's pretty awesome. But if we're not careful, we will relegate it just to Moses with God. The Moses, he can have an experience with God. But it was meant to be, go back and travel back in Exodus. When he first started talking, he was talking to all of them. And we say the Ten Commandments because we'd like to diminish that there were actually about 613 of them. But these are the big ten. And I'm not talking football. These are, these are the big ten that make the, make the book. But when Moses is coming down out of the mountain there, gathered is all of the people. There is a group of individuals that are there. And when Moses comes, they are not worshiping God. Wouldn't it have been incredible? Moses has been, a he's been away for a little while. So let, let's, let's just be seeking God. Let's be after God. But the same people, watch this. The same people who said to Moses, we don't want to talk to God. You talk to God. For us, you, you, you do it. The same people, as soon as Moses was gone for a little while, they had no relationship to sustain them. Come on, this is stat more staggering than we give it credit for. They have no they have no relationship to sustain him. So Moses is gone with God a little while, and as soon as he's gone, here they come again. Who introduces this? I got a feeling it's close to the same people who introduced the whole, let, let Moses talk for us. The same band leader, the same carnal voice comes and starts pushing and promoting. We're going to have to do something. We're going, we're going to, I bet he took Moses. I bet Moses died. <laughs> Moses is gone. And so what do they do? They go to Aaron. See, you, you got to make us a God. Anybody else get irritated with Aaron when you read this story? He goes to the, 
He goes to the mountain, Moses does, to seek God, to hear from God. The people wanted him to. He needed to. And as soon as he's gone, the executive pastor. <laughs> like you didn't know it was coming. Like you didn't know. That's a joke. That's a joke. But it's a good one. And what do the people do? You got to make us a God. How many are annoyed with their, Brother Turner, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do it. You know, some people. Aaron was a great talker, but the depth of his relationship got him in trouble. We've got to remember that your gifting can take you where your character won't keep you. Somebody ought to write, yeah, oh, wow, okay. Or, or maybe this right here, the gifting. Just because you can speak good. Aaron, just because you're a mouthpiece. And one of the dangers that's never discussed from Exodus chapter 20 is did Aaron get lumped in with the we? Because now Moses is hearing from God. It had been this communication, Moses and Aaron. And now so quickly they come to Aaron. And Aaron, in fact, is going to use them as an excuse because here comes the gold. Here comes the earrings. Here comes the rings. Here comes all the chains. Here comes everything that they've walked out of Egypt with. And it's thrown into the fire. Aaron is even going to say, the calf just jumped out. You know me, Mo. I wouldn't do this. That's why we can never have leaders that are simply swayed by the voices of people that do not want to have a relationship with God. And I understand that some people don't like that at times. But let me tell you what we need in men and women of God, not just in Calvary, but all over the world. How many know we need a revival of pulpits that will preach truth? I'm going to tell you how we have regional revival in Indianapolis that reaches not just from here, but becomes like an epicenter that reaches from the north to the south, from the east to the west. We need men and women of God who will say wrong is wrong and right is Come on, we need our pulpits to be refilled with the preaching of truth and our pews to be filled with prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Every now and then, pastor, people will ask me, they'll say, now, pastor, are you going to be here? I don't want to tell. And most of you know why. As if, I, if I'm not here, if I'm preaching a meeting or if I'm not here, that means, well, if pastor's not here, I don't have to be here. That's not the way it works. Unless you're serving me or you're worshiping me. And if you are, please stop. Please stop. But if you want to worship God, I want to tell those children of Israel, listen, you can talk to God. But here they are. Here comes Moses. He's coming down out of the mount and here he's got these commandments. We know that the Lord has brought these commandments together. He has spoken them before the people, but now he has etched them into stone. How many see it? Even the tablets. I've seen it this week like I've never seen it. Even within the tablets, there was plurality. 
He comes bringing them down. Now, has anyone ever worked hard and it not been appreciated? Hard work. Here he comes. He's carrying stone tablets all the way down from being with God. Gets down. They hear the sound. He connects with Joshua and hears the sound. Oh, there's music. Oh, that's worship, but it doesn't sound like our kind of worship. There's, there's some kind of celebration, but it, it sounds more sinful than spiritual. It's a little more profane than Pentecost. It's, it, what is that? That's why we're, we try to be honest here and we say not every kind of music is good music. Some of y'all are like, I know, I, I listen to some of these modern, modern songs. Had somebody tell me recently, they're like, I love church, but not that modern music. I understand. I understand sometimes it can be a switch. Sometimes it's not amazing grace. Sometimes it's new, it's modern. But what we must make sure is that it's magnifying God. And as Moses is coming down out of the mountain, can you imagine that God had 10 chapters earlier been speaking directly to the people and now they are dancing in front of a golden calf? Who in here, if you're Mo, you wouldn't have thrown the tablets too? I'd have went for somebody. Probably Aaron. <laughs> Top rope. Can't believe how quickly the people have turned from God. But how many have learned over the years people can be fickle in their love for God? People can quickly turn from God. But in this instance, their turn from God was their turn from Moses because they had initiated the conversation. I've come on this family month, on this Sunday morning, on this dedication morning, and when we've dedicated these babies and talked to these families, but I want to talk to the entire body of Christ and tell you something that our world desperately needs to hear right now. No one should get the right to come between you and your relationship with the Lord. No. No one. I want somebody to shout no one. No one. No one. No one. Not your backslidden family member. Not your carnal friend that's challenging you. Not that heathen that you... My God. Nobody should get to tell you that all this coming to church is unnecessary. Nobody should get to tell you that you trying to dress righteous and live godly is unnecessary. Nobody... Nobody should be able to tell you that your giftings are not a benefit to the kingdom. Nobody should be able to tell you or convince you that you don't belong in this church. Nobody should be able to tell you, well, they're all about the rules, so you ought to just go somewhere else. No, they're not all about the rules, but we are all about getting people from earth to glory. And so we come together as a body and we say, our Father, our Father, don't look at pastor and say, you do all my praying. I will pray for you, but I need somebody that'll say, but I'm going to pray for my family right now. Our Father. And when you pray, he'll hear you. It's over and over in the Old Testament. It's over and over in the Old Testament. We watch it. We, we give individual credit where communal credit is due. Yes, 
Elijah, we talk about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Read that story thoroughly. There was a prayer meeting there. There was an assembly of people just because their name doesn't get in the limelight. That was never meant to be about Elijah's credit. That was meant to be about God's credit. That's why he prays three dozen words and fire falls out of heaven. You ever pray 300 words and can't even get a flame? <laughs> when Esther's going to have the great revival that she's having, it's going to happen because the people are going to be called together for prayer and for fasting. There is going to be community. There's going to be a communal gathering. It's mentioned multiple times in the Old Testament, but it's found over and over in the New Testament. I've been given lately, I've been reading through this devotional, this book by uh, Ken Gurley authored at the book on prayer. We've got them for sale in the gathering space if you want to get it. Some of our ministerial developments focusing on it next month. It has three different major segments where it does seven days of uh of these daily devotions. And one of the focuses here is on this communal, this communal thought of prayer. I can't get away from our Father. Our Father. Say, well, we want a pastor that is praying. You better, you, you better count on a pastor that's praying. And so we pray for you. Yeah, 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 I want that. When someone tells me they're praying for me, sends me an email or shoots me a text and says, wow, I was praying for you today. Genuinely, before God, I'm able to say that's the greatest gift. But you can pray for me. But often I find myself wanting to respond. Pray as fervently as for your family as you're praying for me. We look to the New Testament and we often quote places like Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. But the word you in this verse is actually plural. Rendering in the Greek you all. And we have so over time, especially in our Western culture, because we think in individualism. We think of David winning the battle singularly when really he was winning the battle for the children so that God would be magnified. But we think if I pray hard enough, if I seek God, if I ask, if I knock, but that's not what this verse was really speaking. It was Jesus speaking to them in plurality. And he was saying, if you... If you will ask, if you will seek, if you will knock, Pastor Lopez, it's powerful if you pray, but it is so much more powerful if Brother John knows you're praying and all of a sudden he links up with you and he says, in the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden Brother Hunter catches on and Brother Hunter begins to join. Let's do it. Let's, let, let's just do it. A little illustration. I want you to shout in Jesus' name. Now I want everybody in the section to shout, in Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. You sound good, but you don't sound good. <laughs> Do it again, in Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. Shout it as loud as you can. In Jesus' name. Now as loud as you can, everybody in the section. In Jesus' name. I want to tell you that we can turn hit, we can turn hell to fight if we will get in agreement one with another. It shouldn't just be mom praying. It shouldn't just be dad praying. It shouldn't just be the ministry praying. Let everybody, if you all shall ask, if you all shall seek, 
If you all shall knock, not just one or two of us knocking, but everybody in the building saying, let heaven hear, let heaven hear our Father. Stand with me all over this house and lift your voices and lift your hands and begin to say, our Father.